welcome to It's In My Queue, the podcast where we talk about TV pilots. I'm Kara. And I'm Adina. And today we are talking about Lost. Fun fact, so neither of us have seen Lost. So uh, the day... So the day that Adina decided she was going to watch it, she texts me and she just goes, uh, Kara. And then I was like, what is she, what is she talking about? And then she sends me a screenshot from Hulu where it says pilot part one and pilot part two. We didn't know. We had no idea when we agreed to do this show that it was two parts to the pilot. We did not bargain for that. We did not bargain for two full episodes. So that's a part of, I mean, there were also other factors, but that's a part of why this episode took us a week longer than normal to put together, which you guys probably won't even notice because we we record well ahead of time. But basically it took us two weeks between like watching this episode and then getting to record it. Um, And yeah, because we were debating about like, oh gosh, do we have to break it up into two? But then we decided you know, it's clearly intended to be as part of one pilot, you know, pilot part one, pilot part two. So we would just do both episodes in one. Yes. um, But I will say my initial reaction when Adina screenshot that to me was me just in all caps. No. Um, (laughs) Mainly because I keep, I keep joking that I keep giving myself the longer episodes just by virtue of what I pick. Um, So I was like, well, this is not fair to me, but at least I enjoyed this one. Yeah, no, but here's the thing. We can we can get through this faster, I think. I have faith in us. We can summarize. Yeah. Um, and also, we don't know anything else about this show, so we can't get out on tangents about what's going to happen down the line or foreshadowing and shit because we literally don't know so i'm sure we'll still find a way to go on like a couple of tangents but well, a couple maybe but i'll i'll help i'll try and keep us you know yeah. right on track we're gonna we're gonna do this so yes some brief background information on lost i feel like this is mostly for adina and for no one else because i i feel like everyone else has seen lost and we're the last ones so uh Lost was created by J.J. Abrams, Damon Lindelof, and Jeffrey Lieber. Uh, Critics tend to call it one of the greatest shows of all time. It ran for six seasons on ABC from 2004 to 2010, and it had 121 episodes. Yeah, so the basic premise of it is that it's about these survivors of oceanic flight 815 and they end up on this mysterious island um so it's about them kind of surviving on the island and whatnot so a little bit about how it this got conceived and came to be so uh lloyd braun who at the time was working at abc pitched this idea after he had a vacation in Hawaii in 2003 and he basically said oh well this would show would be like a cross between Castaway Survivor and Gilligan's Island with a Lord of the Flies element. Just like four different island things just matching them into one. (laughs) Yeah most everyone in the room thought that was stupid except for one person who was like oh maybe there's something there. So they ordered an initial script from Spelling Television, um, and Jeffrey Lieber was hired to write it. It was originally titled Nowhere, and it was like more realistic than what Lost ended up being. Um, And so Lloyd Braun didn't like it. 
Um, and so in January 2004, they brought in J.J. Abrams to rewrite it. And J.J. Abrams was like, I don't, I would rather not do this by myself, please. Can I have a writing partner? Um, and so that's why they brought in Damon Lindelof. So Abrams and Lindelof rewrote the pilot. Um, it is now called Lost. And so Abrams is the what reason that it now has the supernatural element that got brought in. That is why Jeffrey Lieber is credited as being one of the created by people. The script actually like went into arbitration uh, because he's like, credit please. Um, so that's why the first episode says that it's story by uh, Jeffrey Lieber, J.J. Abrams and Damon Lindelof. But the teleplay for the pilot that actually aired was written by J.J. Abrams and Damon Lindelof mm -hmm. so and that's also why then Jeffrey Lieber has created by credit um, since it was also partially his idea J.J. Abrams left the show like mid-season one and Damon Lindelof had never been a showrunner before so he called up Carlton Cuse who gave him his first tv writing job I think it was on Nash Bridges since he didn't have any showrunner experience, he called Cuse, uh, and Cuse became his co-showrunner, and they came on board, and they did it together. Uh, also, a fun fact is that uh, Damon Lindelof is also known for some other things that I haven't seen but have gotten good acclaim. Uh, he co-created The Leftovers on HBO with yeah. Tom Parada. And he adapted Watchmen for HBO as well. He has said that it is his favorite graphic novel. He is also a comic book writer. And I thought that was cool. He's written some little Marvel miniseries things. And then, of course, we all know, uh, we all know the name J.J. Abrams. He has many credits um, as like a director, screenwriter, producer, all that jazz. He won an Emmy for Outstanding Directing for Lost, um, and he also created shows such as Alias, Felicity, and Fringe, and he worked on the new Star Wars movies, things like that. He also uh, did the little, composed the little title music for Lost, oh. which I did not know. Cool. Um, he apparently does some little composing as well. Yeah, Multi-talent. Yeah, so... This pilot uh, started filming in March 2004. It cost around $14 million. Yeah, I was just on Wikipedia right before this, and I saw that. And I was like, $14 million? That is so many millions of dollars mm -hmm. for a pilot. Yeah, um, so actually Lloyd Braun got fired be for greenlighting something so expensive. Uh <laughs> Yeah, like it worked out for them. It became a hugely popular TV show. But like, could you imagine fourteen million dollars if yeah. that hadn't worked out? Yikes! Yikes! Um, yeah, but the yeah. So basically, it was the most expensive pilot episode at the time uh, because it's for one thing split into two parts, as we mentioned before. Um, it has a big ensemble cast, so you have to pay everyone, and yeah. they filmed on location in Hawaii. And they had to film a plane crash. It's yeah. a lot's going on. So I get why it was $14 million, but holy moly, it was $14 million. <laughs> I cannot imagine. 
the pilot episode had a world premiere at San Diego Comic-Con um, in July of 2004. And then its first TV broadcast was on ABC on September 22nd, 2004. So they aired just part one. And then a week later, they aired part two on September 29th. So it'll leave, it'll leave you off on a fun cliffhanger. It had a ratings record for a pilot episode with 18.6 million viewers. And then part two attracted 17 million viewers. And it also aired, um, ABC did really well that season because um, it was also the start of Desperate Housewives and Grey's Anatomy. Oh so, yeah, they were killing it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and... Lost has also gotten a great deal of like awards attention. Um, they won Emmys and Golden Globes, things like that. For just generally, Lost is like a well-known entity, and we have never seen it. Yeah, yeah, I've never seen it, and I've basically managed to avoid spoilers for it. Like, I I know a few vague cultural references. Like, I knew there was some sort of mysterious monster. I know there's something with numbers. And I knew there was this guy with the scar and I, and his name was John Locke and he like says wise things or something. And that's, but that's kind of it. Like, I don't really know the plot or the twists or anything that happened. So, Mm -hmm. so I, I'm very intrigued to like finally watch it, you know, with fresh eyes. I've also heard that it's, it's notorious for like starting off really strong, but then having an unsatisfying ending. Yeah. That's what I've heard. I mean, I've watched enough shows like that at this point that I'm like, that doesn't bother me so I it's one of those things where it's like what can you do yeah also like the more hype you build up the harder it is to pay it off like I have respect for tv shows that just don't bite off more than they can chew they like they build up a little bit but then they kind of they stop at a reasonable point where they know this is what we can deliver and then they just deliver that and then a show like this that maybe I mean I'm just again going off what I heard I've not actually seen it but like it sounds like they built up a ton of mysteries on top of each other and yeah. then it got to a point where they didn't really have satisfying answers for all the mysteries. And so it still can be very entertaining, you know, to watch that, to watch a really good buildup, even if it doesn't have a great payoff, it still can be entertaining. But, but like, on the other hand, I'm like, it, it's just a different kind of entertainment, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's like mm-hmm. a more of a roller coaster, like a big climb. And then the big drop may or may not be good versus another show might be more like a, I'm struggling for a a good analogy, but like a different kind of ride that's more just like, oh, fun, you know, the whole time. Like maybe bumper cars. Yeah, bumper cars. I feel like bumper cars is like a sitcom because it's just like you kind of tumble around and there's no progress, but you have fun the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, here we are already getting distracted. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, th- also, in a thing to note that I'll kind of put this in as we meet different characters. Some of the characters that were that are in the pilot were not actually in the original script, or they were like in the original script but written very differently. So they kind of like as actors were coming into audition, they kind of shaped different roles for different people. The most notable thing I saw that like apparently the role of Jack was supposed to originally be for Michael Keaton and he was going to die. Um, but then the executives were like, no, we would like him to live, please. So then they brought in Matthew Fox and now he was Jack. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll pepper in the other ones when we meet those people. Alrighty. So um, here we are with Lost uh, season one, episode one. 
oh and two because it's two episodes um so yeah as i said before the story is by jeffrey lieber jj abrams and damon lindelof and the teleplay is by jj abrams and damon lindelof and it was directed by jj abrams cool so we start off with a very disorienting title screen that that popped up and i was like oh Uh what's this um and it says lost the first thing we see is this guy who's just like on on the ground. I kept calling it the woods and I because I forgot the word for jungle until like yeah, partway through my yeah, notes. Woods, jungle, but same thing. They're basically the same. Yeah. Anyway, he's lying down, his eye opens um, and he's like in all these trees. He's wearing a suit. He looks like disheveled. Um, he's kind of freaking out. You hear rustling and a dog runs by. Um yeah, and it's like a golden retriever. So right away, something uh-huh. seems a little weird and surreal because you don't really see, you don't expect to see like a dog in the jungle. It doesn't look like a jungle animal. Yeah, no. Um, so that's already confusing. Um, this guy sits up. He's clearly in pain. He like takes out a little airplane alcohol that he had yeah, in his a pocket. Of vodka yes. or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and he starts running through the um like the trees in the jungle you see a shoe that's like dangling in one of the trees um I know I noted that because I was like oh that's odd um it's so interesting the way they start this off with like they give you such a random assortment of clues as to mm -hmm. figure out what's going on and I really like this cold open because it um to me it really takes us through the disorientation that he is feeling right now as he wakes up yeah you just get all these random conflicting clues about what's happening and he has to piece it together while we also piece it together. Yeah. I was very stressed this entire five minutes. Yeah. It's also um, the way that it's shot is like, not only like the, literally the things you're seeing are disorienting, but like, I mean, as we've kind of talked about as the very premise of the show, it's a plane crash and he kind of, Mm -hmm. the cold open is like him discovering that he was on a plane and it crashed and now there's a wreck and it really, yeah. um, uh, in both in the way of like that he gradually wakes up and gradually learns things, but also the way it's like shot, like especially when he gets out first to the wreck, he like runs through the woods and then he gets out onto the beach and then you see, actually, no, you don't see it right away. They do this weird thing where like it pans. First, you just see like some people running around on the beach. You hear screaming and then mm-hmm. it very, very slowly. It's like, I had the sensation of like, camera, come on, move faster. I want to see what, like, I know it's there. Just show it to me. But it moves so painfully yeah. slow. You hear all this disorienting noise. You can hear like an engine going or something. You hear people screaming. You hear fire going. But then it very, very, very slowly pans. Then you start seeing people running. You start seeing people injured. But then it very, 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 very slowly pans. And then you see the plane wreck. Yeah. And it's like, it really, to me, not that I've ever been in a situation like that, but it made me feel like I was really living it and just being so overstimulated by everything that was around. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was, it was honestly a little terrifying, yeah. especially cause like, um, they had that, like, it's like also different pieces of the plane. It's mm-hmm. like complete, complete carnage. So there's like this turbine that's just still oh, going. That. Um, it's still going. And I was like, and he keeps shouting at people to move away from it because yeah. it's like spinning super fast. So yeah, like Adina said, you hear people screaming. They hear someone screaming for help and he's stuck under a piece of like wing um, and his like leg is caught. Um, so they start going to, he, Jack, we don't know his name yet. He starts going to some, um, to help 
and he like some other people are kind of coming and they're trying to like lift the plane off of this dude and then you hear a woman screaming because there was a pregnant lady on the plane she's like she's like I think I'm in labor my thought was why was she traveling in the first place she was very pregnant maybe we'll learn I don't know because we didn't really learn too much about her yet um but anyway so then he kind of like runs over to help her this other guy gets sucked into the turbine yeah, I did not enjoy that <laughs> that was so awful I also wasn't ready so I screamed and my dad was like what is your problem yeah. and I was like I'm so sorry I'm watching tv yeah this whole thing I feel like it does again a good job of like getting that terror because it's so overwhelming and like everything's happening at once like we follow Jack which he the main guy's name is Jack you fi- we find out in like a minute that that's his name mm-hmm. um as he's kind of going around and like he keeps noticing new things and going to try and help new people. But every time he tries to do one thing, he notices something else terrible is happening. So like, yeah, there's no chance to rest. There's no chance to like, feel like he's really solved anything. Cause it's like, they get the, they help the guy out that's trapped under the thing. And you see that he's, his leg is gone, but then the pregnant woman is screaming and they have to help her. And then there's like, someone else screaming and then like there's like a piece of like the wing or something that's like propped up but it's like creaking very ominously in the wind like it's about to fall over and then he sees there's people underneath it so he has to run over and get them out of the way before the wing is going to fall on them um so like he's literally like running around from thing to thing trying to save as many people as he can but like so much terror is happening all at once Mm -hmm. and also like the main thing I noticed as I was taking notes, we didn't even quite get Jack's name yet, but I wrote down like, this guy seems like a natural leader. He seems like yeah. he's very cool in the face of disaster because he literally just woke up. Like we saw him wake up. We know that he doesn't know what's going on any more than we do, but he's already going around to mm-hmm. try and save people. So, yeah, I feel like the moments that we see of him kind of being like, what the fuck is going on they're all when he's alone yeah he never does that in front of others yeah so he's like helping the pregnant lady he tells he calls this one guy over and tells um tells him to like stay with her and Mm -hmm. says if um anything if the contractions are ever less than three minutes apart call me and he starts running away again and the guy's like wait what's your name and he (laughs) says jack um and that's how we get his name then he's like helping people. He says this one guy was giving CPR wrong. Mm. Um, it was a uh, Ian Sommerhalder, and he basically like gets him to go away. I thought this was funny. Oh, yeah. He was like the thing where he was talking about like the little pen method, yeah. and then to get him to go away, he's like, "Go find a pen for me." Yeah. And he like very seriously yeah. goes to look for pens. Um, <laughs> that was that comical. <laughs> um, yeah, and then the plane starts. Then the wing falls and there's more explosion and every, it's like, wow, that was our teaser and it was so stressful. And then like, that's, I think when the, like the credits start playing in the lower half, it doesn't do like theme music or anything, but like the credits start playing. Mm -hmm. So that's how, you know, like, okay, it's a TV show. Like, honestly, I felt a little relieved when the credits started playing, even though things were still happening. Cause I was like, it's a TV show. It's not really happening. (laughs) Yeah, I had to like pause it after that so to like just like take a breath. Yo, we talked about like overwhelming cold opens, but um, you know, Orphan Black compared to this, no, no competition. Yeah, no. I have to say this one takes the cake yep. in terms of being incredibly overwhelming. Yep. Wowie. Um, so as the credits start to roll, uh we see Jack, he's like going through the wreck the wreckage, he's like walking around. The guy comes back 
Ian Somerhalder comes back and says he found a pen and Jack's like, well, that's useless. No, he found um, like a whole bunch of well, pens. He yeah, he's like, variety. I got pens. <laughs> I thought it was so cute. He was like, will any of these work? Oh, wow. He He's just trying to be helpful. Yeah. That's his MO, yeah. this whole two episodes. And so then Jack starts going through luggage. He picks up like a shirt, an extra shirt and some and like a sewing kit. Yeah. And so he goes away into the woods um, and we see as he's, he's really bleeding, he's like taking off his white dress shirt and it's stained and blood on the back. Um, and then we see this like really bad gash in his side. And then a woman walks by. She seems uh, more affected than Jack by this. She's like, seems very scared. And he asks if she can use a needle because... Um, he's a doctor he's a doctor so like he could stitch this but he can't reach it is the thing so he like needs someone to stitch up his wound for him um she looks really queasy um but you know she's like okay fine and she comes over to help him with some and then he takes out the little um the little alcohol the vodka or whatever he had from his pocket the first thing like Mm -hmm. that was one of the first things when he woke up he noticed he had the little nip in his pocket and then he's like look i got this you know, to clean, to use a little bit to clean off your hands and then, but save the rest of it so I can clean the wounds. So that was the first, like, yeah. I don't know. It was just like that he's resourceful, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then we cut back to the beach for a moment. So we start to see some other characters. We see this one guy who's sitting smoking a cigarette. The pregnant woman is by the water. She seems like, you know, slightly, slightly more chill now. Mm-hmm slash she's like not about to give birth yeah Uh, probably just like one of those shock kind of things like the shock of the crash mm -hmm. induced contractions or whatever yeah um we see the guy that was helping her earlier he's collecting food like Mm -hmm. the airplane food from the the crash and then we also just see this man who is sitting there um he's this is the scar guy with the scar on his face um every time i i didn't he just was so quiet for the first bit of the episode that I was just like, guy sits and does yeah, this. Yeah, I was like, um, I know this guy's going to be important because I've seen pictures of the guy with the scar, but I don't know what to make of him yet. Yeah, I was very confused by him. Uh, yeah, and then there is a bonfire that they're starting. Um, so this man who is uh, Dominic Monaghan, who played a Hobbit in The Lord of the Rings. I don't know which one because I don't... Hmm. But that's, I just wrote The Hobbit at one, I haven't seen at one point that, in my but notes. I could see how he could be a Hobbit. He plays one of them. I don't remember which one, but I think he plays like Elijah Wood's friend. Sam? Not Sam. He plays a different Henry one, maybe. Pippin? Perhaps one of those. Hobbits. <laughs> I think it's either Merry or Pippin, but don't quote me on that because I could be very wrong. I don't know that much about Lord of the Rings. I don't either. I just know he was a hobbit. I know, like, uh, so I kept writing my notes hobbit. But I don't know who's who. <laughs> so uh, this one man asks the hobbit to help with the bonfire. So, you know, they're like, it's like people are like trying to figure out what's going on, you know, because they need to like, you know, signal someone maybe to yeah. get them off this island. Although it may or it may or may not be at this point, but at some point it might be like the next scene, but they start talking about like they anticipate they're going to get picked up soon because of the black box from the plane. Like it has the thing that's supposed to like transmit when there's a crash and like transmit the coordinates so that people will come find them. So a lot of people are like, 
were they're, they're just, just like survive for a yeah. day. Mm-hmm. They're all kind of like, all right, well, we're all okay right now, yeah. except for the people that are already dead. <laughs> um, so we're just gonna chill. Maybe they'll maybe they'll come find us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we go back to uh, the the jungle. This woman is helping Jack with his stitches, and she remarks that he doesn't seem very afraid. Um, and so this is kind of where Jack explains that uh, he had his first surgery in residency. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just laughing at my notes because my notes at this point, I wrote that he started talking about surgery and then I wrote, gross, no surgery. This isn't Gray's. <laughs> it's because he started saying something really gross about the surgery and it grossed me out. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. Um, so he's like talking about his very first surgery when he was in residency, which was on a 16, a spinal surgery on a 16 year old girl. That was his first surgery in residency. Yeah. How horrifying. Yeah. And then the, the I don't <laughs> um, want to repeat the description he gave. It just came back to me very vividly. I don't want to say it because I found it very gross. Um, I'll just repeat so what gross. I said when we talked about Grays, which is that I think your insides should stay inside your body. Yes. So basically, he says that he was in the surgery for 13 hours. Um, something like he was like had just about finished and then something like ripped open and it was bad. And he like gave himself he gave himself five seconds. So he counted to five and then he went back in and like fixed the issue and that sort of thing and got back to work. So he let the fear in for five seconds and then it was gone. Mm-hmm. is what he said that's how jack has been remaining calm this entire time mm-hmm. is kind of that mentality that he has going on yeah which seems good to have for a doctor yeah. I, I would mean, say i think he's just like he's trained to deal with these traumatic scenarios by now um yeah and just kind of go into like problem solving mode it also seems to me like he to do a little character analysis based on these two episodes it seems like jack compartmentalizes his own fear by trying to help other people so like if he goes to like do a task then he can't feel as afraid about himself yes so we're back on the beach it's nighttime the hobbit is sitting with this other guy whose name is saeed i don't remember when we learned his name was saeed it was like right before this when we had a flash of him on the beach i had his name written down okay yeah Okay, so, and the uh, the Hobbit's name is Charlie, and I will now start referring to him as Charlie. So they're sitting on the beach, and Saeed is like, you think, um, you'd think they would have come by now, um, saying that, you know, someone should have been there to rescue them a while ago, but they don't know where anyone is. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it cuts to this girl who's painting her toenails. Um, Ian Sommerholder comes back, comes and sits next to her and tries to hand her a chocolate bar. And she's like, as if I'm going to start eating chocolate because she is the person on the beach that is like, they're coming to get us. Yeah, she's do- she's it's literally fine. doing her nails. Um, also, yeah. I, I think we get her their names just a little bit later in the scene. Her name is Shannon mm-hmm. and his name is Boone. Um, I thought yeah. they were boyfriend and girlfriend at first. That was the vibe I got. I did but too. then a little bit later, it reveals their brother and sister. So... <laughs> yeah um, i was confused that was interesting but yeah basically basically like their vibe is like boone's like oh like why aren't you like helping or why aren't you like eating or like talking to other people and she's just like well we're gonna get picked up soon so it doesn't even matter um mm-hmm. and then she talks about how there was like a black box and she's like you know people will be here they they know that we crashed however many hours ago so they'll be on their way yeah um, um, which um, i admire her faith i feel like i would be freaking yeah. out a lot more <laughs> 
I would not have had the same amount of faith. Um, that was a devastating crash. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so next we see uh, this guy. This is the character that I knew his name. Mm. His name is Hurley. I don't think we get it yet. We got but the it only reason I knew it in the episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, the only reason I knew it beforehand is because this is like weird and random, but there is um, a Weezer album that is called Hurley, and this huh. guy's literally on the cover weird. of it. Yeah, <laughs> I was just amused because in my notes I was writing him as curly hair guy up until we got his name and I was like oh and then I wrote curly sometimes and I was like oh curly hurly that's funny <laughs> oh I love it yeah so he sits with the pregnant lady um he brings over the airplane food that he was gathering and tells her to hang in there basically yeah, and then like he starts nice to walk guy. away I like Hurley. yeah I do too. He like starts to walk away, but then comes back and hands her another tray yeah. um, and just walks away again because she's eating for two. That was cute. And then we cut to um, a dad and a son who are sitting together um, and the son looks really sad and the dad's like, are you warm enough? It was like the dad is like trying and the kid's just like not at the moment super having it, which we don't, we, we get more of an explanation for later. Yeah. Um, but right now that's just like, that is the situation the son is sad it's a traumatic day for a child yeah um oh my goodness I th- I'd say he's handling it pretty well yeah, though all things considered mm-hmm. yeah. next we see Daniel Day Kim and he is talking to a woman who um they are husband and wife I assumed yeah uh, I I looked up on Wikipedia and they are I, at first I wasn't sure if it was like a father-daughter vibe or a husband-wife vibe, I couldn't really tell. Also, they're, yeah. they speak exclusively Korean in these two episodes, mm-hmm. and it's not subtitled. So, at least for me, because I don't speak Korean, I had very little idea of what they were saying most of the time, except for, you know, sometimes based on context, you could get a little bit of it. But it's interesting that they just, they don't really translate that for the audience. So, if you don't speak Korean, you have to figure it out. Yeah, they did have one subtitle, which is just this instance where Daniel Day Kim, yeah, I wrote it down. Um, Daniel Day Kim is talking to her and he says, you must not leave my sight. You must follow me wherever I go. Do you understand? Um, And then she nods and he basically is like, we must stay together. Um, And that is the only thing that was subtitled. Um, So the rest, it was like, you're inferring, Mm -hmm. but you could kind of figure out, Mm -hmm. figure it out based on what was going on. So next we have uh, Jack is all stitched up now and he's coming around looking at people's uh, injuries. So basically Evangeline Lily asks if uh, the guy that Jack is looking at is going to live. And Jack's like, why do you know him? And she's like, I was sitting next to him on the plane. Now after seeing part two, this part means a little bit more. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Wow. The way they thread this together. Yeah, it was pretty Um, impressive. Mm-hmm. So then Jack starts to say things about like inferring things about what happened um, for the crash to have been that bad. Um, so he's like, we must have been at about 40,000 feet. There was bad turbulence. Um, I blacked out. Yeah. Uh, we learn that uh, Evangeline Lilly did not black out. She saw that the front of the plane broke off. And so did the tail. And she's like, she like knew the tail had broken off, but she's like, I'm not turning around to look, uh, basically. And then she saw smoke. 
yeah basically it was bad i forget um, if it's here or it might be a little bit later in the episode but i was like just as i was thinking jack seems to know a lot about planes that's a little odd and then he said something he about how he say took a, he... a pilot yeah. class or a, a flight course and mm-hmm. so like that makes sense but also i'm like it's an it's such an interesting writing choice to like if if you want your protagonist to have certain knowledge you could just decide yeah. like he's going to be a doctor so that he can tend to everybody and be cool under pressure and then also he's taken flight lessons so he can know some shit about planes why not yeah um so basically um jack says that they should try to find the cockpit because that's where the transceiver would be so that they can make sure someone's on their way to come get them mm-hmm. and kate mentions that she saw smoke uh nearby and so they're like okay and so jack's gonna like go and kate's like she's like i'll come with you and he's like i don't know your name and she's like it's kate there's her name uh and then i wrote a huge ominous growl from the jungle yes but before the growl i wrote in my notes palpable vibes between the two of them Uh, but anyway um yes then there's a rumble in the wood in the woods slash jungle and you hear like a growling sound and everyone's like what the fuck is this It's like extremely supernatural it's extremely cursed it does not sound like any regular animal no so when so then when the child says is that vincent you're like what whatever is vincent? vincent is it's definitely not vincent <laughs> no um and so everyone's kind of gathering and there's like it's just the loud they're like they see all this movement in the trees. They don't see anything, but there's like, it's just, you can tell something's out there and they're like, oh, well, this is perfect. It's just Uh, We're trapped on an island and something could kill us. Yep. um, If we're not already dead from the plane crash. (laughs) So. (laughs) Yeah, yay, more problems. And then that's the end of act one. Yeah. And so act two begins with a flashback. Mm. So, um, Another thing of this show is that it weaves flashbacks in with, you know, the story of them on the island. So that is something that it sets up right away in the first episode. So um, you see the plane wing and it, you see Jack, he's sitting in his seat on the plane. Um, the flight attendant comes by and asks him how his drink is. And he's like, it's not very strong because, you know, they only give you the little, the little nip. And then she gives him some extra ones um and it's like a flirty conversation he's like you're not supposed to do this uh and she's like don't tell uh Mm -hmm. that sort of thing and then we see we're starting to see a few people from the crash who are also on the plane like Mm -hmm. there is a woman that jack was sitting uh near she was also was on the beach he performed cpr on her earlier and revived her um and then we also see uh charlie goes by really quickly Um, he's like running from something it looks like he's running from something we don't know what yet Mm -hmm. Um, and the flight attendants are like sir and they're kind of chasing him down a little bit there so then uh, it starts to like as they're chasing him they like start falling because the plane is like shifting and then the little masks drop down from the ceiling and then it's like shaking quite a lot I wrote down in my notes I might never get on a plane again this is terrifying (laughs) Yeah, no, it was so bad to watch. Um, and I, I very much felt like I was on the plane, too. Oh, yeah. I didn't appreciate it. Um, honestly, no. I feel like Jack is the luckiest one that he blacked out, because as we see in some of the other flashbacks, other people get a much more horrific view of it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh-huh. Ooh-wee. Ooh. 
then it is the next morning and people are talking about what was in the woods last night, that sort of thing. Uh, Kate goes up to Jack and is like, are you ready? And Jack's like, I can go by myself. She's like, no, I'm coming. And he says, well, you need better shoes. So she like goes and takes these shoes, like, like better, like hiking looking boots off of this like dead guy. And she's kind of like, oh, but she's like, but I need the shoes. Um, So it was convenient. Then she sees the guy with the scar um, and he opens his mouth and you see he's got like an orange peel in there. So it's like he's kind of trying to make yeah, her laugh. But like, he's like, like kind of funny, but also kind of creepy. Yeah, he's like a little he's a little scary. Yeah. Honestly, I was a little concerned by him. Yep. So um, it that didn't make her laugh. She's just kind of like, uh, yeah. OK. And then uh, next we see uh, Hurley is sitting with some people. And he's, he's like, so should we do something with the, he sees that the kid is sitting there. And so he tries to spell out the word bodies. So he says, B-O-D-Y-S. And then the kid looks at him and is like, you mean bodies? B-O-D-I-E-S. <laughs> you know, Hurley, his heart is in the right place. He's trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the kid is still, the kid still seems like the least bothered. Yeah by the the kid the kid has other things on his mind as we learn um but yeah and so shannon says that she's like well they'll deal with the bodies when they get here and everyone kind of looks at her like um everyone else has started to sense something's a little bit wrong but shannon mm -hmm. is the one that's still very determined of like oh yeah they'll be here any minute to pick us up she she's in full denial um so jack says that they're gonna go look for the cockpit and he tells boone to look after the wounded Mm -hmm. um and charlie is like charlie's like oh i'll come and help and it feels very random but he says he's gonna come he doesn't seem like the sort of person that's like super adventurous and helpful like he doesn't seem he doesn't seem like unhelpful and selfish but he doesn't seem like jack who was like going around like really trying to take leadership and stuff it's a Mm -hmm. little like huh why does he want to come yeah you're like that's odd okay if you want to um so kate charlie and jack start traveling through the jungle um kate looks at charlie and is like have we met before you look really familiar and he starts singing this song uh i i was like am i supposed to know this song but you weren't really funny i forget how it went but he was just singing like one particular line over and over he was like hey yeah and he would just repeat the line over and over and then Kate was like oh yeah I do know that song and he's in a band called Drive Shaft that's apparently pretty famous I don't think it's a real band yeah Um, no it's not real um he plays the bass for them um and Jack is like hey yo let's keep moving because Jack is like like, way far ahead of them Kate was like oh my god Mm -hmm. you're in Drive Shaft that's so cool and Jack like did not seem to care (laughs) yeah because Kate was like oh my friend loves you guys my friend used to love you guys and charlie's like we're in the middle of a comeback we're not broken up um he's like very adamant about this fact because um kate kept using like past tense to refer to them he's like no no which i thought was funny um then i guess we saw the dog again because i wrote omg someone help this dog but i don't know what why is that creepy because i think the dog looked kind of happy and fine but something about the dog Mm -hmm. being in the jungle where it doesn't belong and having no explanation was very unsettling uh, yeah, I guess I just really want something. I wanted something to happen with the dog because that's all I wrote was OMG, someone help this dog um, and nothing else. Uh, and then uh, we see the man again. At this point, I wrote this man is unsettling mm-hmm. with the scar. Yeah. 
Then you hear some thunder um, and it really starts pouring down rain. Looks terrible. Um, So people are starting to run for cover. Uh, Daniel Day Kim is sitting under the one, like a part of the wing with his wife and he doesn't let other people Mm. come under it. He's like, no, no, stay away. His wife looks a little scared. And then, so like everyone is trying to like take cover except for the guy with the scar. He's just chilling. He was just sitting in the rain. I wrote that it looked like he was meditating or something. He was just kind of sitting there Mm -hmm. enjoying himself. Yeah. For him. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I guess. If, if you want to get that wet, good for, you yeah. can do that. Um, no one was stopping him. And so Kate, Jack, and Charlie finally find the cockpit. It's like tilted. Yeah, it's like kind of vertical in the jungle. Um, so it's like, you know, the part of it that was broken off is kind of like up against the ground. And then the front of the plane mm-hmm. is like pointing up in the air. So yeah, so they have to like climb into yeah. it. It's like, seems... uh like a little bit of gymnastics yeah. also, going is, on um, there. Right when they first see it, that's another act break. Um, yes. So they have to climb into the cockpit. Um, as expected, there are quite a few dead bodies. Yeah, it was so unsettling. Uh, it was like, first of all, they're like climbing vertically. So they're using kind of the seats as like a ladder. So that's disorienting because mm-hmm. it's not the way you feel like things are supposed to be pointing. And then there's bodies. Yeah. There's still several bodies in the seats. There's still the little masks hanging down and stuff. So it's like all these mm-hmm. things of this plane that they were in a few hours ago, but now it's all like destroyed and it's, it's just very unsettling. Yeah. It also looks, it's slippery cause it's raining. Yeah. Uh, so it's like a terrible combination the other of thing things. That the fact me that it's vertical. The higher they climb, because it's not like, it's just kind of perched there. It's not like a building. It's not anchored into the ground. So once they start climbing higher, it tilts with their weight um and i uh-huh. really don't appreciate that when it starts creaking and tilting that's something i don't like it was so bad and then they um so they get up to the door where the pilot and the co-pilot sit and jack opens it and out falls oh, yeah. a body like that was awful hated that and so then jack goes into the little it's not called a pilot room <laughs> yeah <laughs> You know, the pilot room. That's okay. <laughs> um, but that's where the pilot sits. I mean, in the other episode, uh, I was just editing the Arrested Development episode where I couldn't think of, like, the cockpit of a boat. What is that called? I was like, I the know. little steering we, room. We have to Google this. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, anyway, so Jack kind of uh is goes into the cockpit first he's looking for the transceiver and then the pilot who is still sitting in his seat and looks a little dead like breathes he like wakes up and that was scary um for a moment and so uh they give him some water uh he is really dizzy um and then jack is like well you probably have a concussion and the pilot asks how long has it been and Jack says 16 hours, and he asks if anybody's come yet. Um, and they're like, no, the radio, and the radio went out. So basically, the pilot then starts to explain what went wrong. They were six hours into their flight, and it was, like, really bumpy. So they turned back to go land in Fiji, but they got off course. And so people were looking for them in Fiji, but they didn't land in Fiji. 
they did not crash in Fiji. So people are looking for them in the wrong yeah. place. Also, like when the radio went out several hours before they crashed. So like the last mm-hmm. place that people knew where they were is like very, very far from where they actually ended up. Yeah. So basically the pilots like, yeah, there's no, there's no way in hell they're going to find us based on that. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, it's like you need to get the transceiver working, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Jack asks where Charlie is. Um, so Kate goes looking for him. And we see Charlie coming out of... No, first we hear a loud noise. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's it's like a noise outside. It's kind of like the same thing they were hearing last night. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, what the fuck is this? The pilot looks out of the cockpit and gets pulled up yeah. by something. a thing. Something grabs him. A thing. It's yeah. confusing. Also, Charlie, they're like, where did Charlie go? He yeah. kind of disappeared. And then he then he like appears again. He was in the bathroom of the plane for some reason, but he won't explain why. Yes. We're like, what? Um, so uh he's like, Hey, I'm back. And the pi- so then the pilot gets taken away, ripped to the pilot, uh, and then the cockpit falls forward. Oh, yeah. That's also terrifying. <laughs> like the whole thing crashes, so... and then like the transceiver goes flying, and Jack has to like try and grab it because that's their only chance of survival um but also this weird thing is attacking them um but yeah but at least they didn't have to slide out of the cockpit yeah. as i thought they were going to have to originally yeah, that would not have been uh, no that would have been scary um so they start running because that thing that took the pilot is still out there so they're like gotta go charlie gets hit by something and like pulled away so jack turns back to like get him um and so then kate is by herself and she's freaking out you and she's like you know in this like little corner behind some foliage uh and you hear this stomping and she starts to do the thing that Jack did in his residency story. And she's like counting to five to herself. And then we hear uh, Charlie who says that he and Jack got separated. So that it's like, it finally stops raining. Um, they don't have Jack and Kate's like, well, we have to go back for him. Uh, Charlie finally introduces himself at this point. Cause they'd just been traveling yeah. and they didn't know each other's yeah. names. Uh, which was a fun part of this episode. <laughs> They're like, Oh yeah. Hey, this is a weird experience. Yeah. I'm so-and-so. And then they stop at this one little spot. They see like a pilot's pin in the mud. It's like a set of wings. And then uh, you like see something dangling above them. You see in the mud, uh, there's like a little puddle and you yeah. see the reflection. In the reflection, you see tree mm-hmm. branches. And then it looks like something is in the branches. Yeah. And it looks kind of like a body. And it's like, what? And then they turn behind them and... In fact, there is a body it in is. the tree. And Jack's like, pilot. that's the pilot. Yeah. <laughs> and also, this is something that, like, once I saw it, I feel like I had heard of this before, of, like, the pilot being killed and stuck in the tree. I don't know where I had heard of that, but, like, um, once I saw it, I was like, ooh, this feels familiar in some way. Um, but it was pretty horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. And then the way, and then I was, I was, like, hoping that because they showed us that not like the reflection yeah. that we wouldn't have to see the pilot we yeah. saw it anyway it was such a, and i was like Ugh. such a an unsettling way to reveal that information like so many so much of this pilot like i it felt like it was shot like a movie in a lot of ways more than tv just like these little yeah. these interesting little shots that kind of reveal information in a way that feels more like you're living it than like watching it on tv and so it really mm-hmm. gets like unsettling in a lot of ways 
Yeah, it was gruesome. Yeah. Uh, also, some movies aren't even $14 million. Yeah, $14 million is a <laughs> lot of money. I just thought of that. Um, yeah, anyway, that is how the first episode yeah. ends. So if this were 2004, September 22nd, 2004, the ep- episode would have ended like that. And we would have had to wait till next week to watch yeah, thank the God next bit. That it's not that... Yeah, I see why more. I see why so many people tuned in the next yeah. week because you're like, what? Yeah. Um, anyway, so now we're on to pilot part two. So we see. Also, we're doing pretty well on. Yeah, time, I told I you we'd say. be able to get through it quickly. So we see um, the pilot part two opens with Jack, Charlie, and Kate in the woods. Um, Charlie um, asks if the transceiver is working um, because no one's going to be able to find them uh, if they can't get it working. Um, and then Kate asks Charlie, what were you doing in the bathroom? And Charlie just looks at her and goes, oh, I was puking. And he said, every Trek needs a coward. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you're not a coward. Um, and I wrote, something's up with yeah. Charlie. But then um, it shows us what is up very quickly. We get another flashback yes. to him mm-hmm. um, on the plane and his experience. Yeah. And spoiler yeah, alert, so- I was like not very surprised to find this out. But it was like, he's a drug addict, and he had drugs on the plane. Yes. And he mm-hmm. hit him in the bathroom. Yeah. yeah, so I will also say that uh, this is, I will pepper in a fun fact. Charlie is one of the characters that uh, is different from how he was written in the initial script. So Dominic Monaghan came in to audition for... Sawyer, who I don't think we got Sawyer's name in the pilot, but it's the aggros dude with the cigarette. Yeah, I don't think it gets mentioned until the second part. Yeah. Um, and so and so basically he auditioned for that role, but then they were they didn't think he fit it. So they reimagined the role of Charlie to better fit him because I think it was supposed to be like a bit of an older, washed up rock star dude. Um, so now Charlie is what uh, Dominic Monaghan is doing. Uh, So yeah, basically he is uh, like, you know, doing like fiddling with his hands. He's like looking really distraught Um, in this flashback. The flight attendant is like talking to people around him. So this is when he, uh, he, it's like something's up. You see something's up with him. He's like a little shaky. Mm -hmm. Um, so he gets up and he goes to the bathroom, uh, and this is when he like runs past Jack. So he's like trying to go to the bathroom, but this is, um, and then they, but he sees that the flight attendants are following him. Uh, and this is also when the turbulence Mm -hmm. starts to get like a little bad. So like you, this is the first turbulence and they say, everyone put your seatbelts on. He gets into the bathroom in first class. He's basically ran over the yep. whole plane. And so he goes into that bathroom and he takes um, some drugs out of his shoe. So then he like rubs a little bit on his teeth and he's, you know, they're knocking on the door because they're like, they followed him. So they're like, yeah. sir, sir, you need to return to your seat. And so he drops the drugs in the toilet which is then how we know that he went to go. That's what he went to get when he yeah. went back to the cockpit. That's why he went on the journey was, in the first place. He was like right about to flush them, but then that's when the actual crash happens. So he doesn't end up actually flushing mm-hmm. them. They just kind of fly out of his hand and end up in the bathroom. Yeah. So that's how, I guess for him, in like all things considered, if they were going to crash anyway, it's lucky for him that he didn't flush the drugs first because now he could go back and get them. 
<laughs> yeah. He, the crash happens. He gets out of the bathroom because he's trying to get into a seat. Yeah. So that, you know, bec- he can be strapped down and maybe potentially not yeah. die. Um, uh, he almost gets hit with a food yeah. cart, which that was another yeah. terrifying moment for me. I didn't like the, that It's either. just coming straight on. Did not uh, like it. He moves out of the way. He does manage to get into a seat and put the oxygen mask on. And then it cuts back to the beach. It, Shannon is tanning. Uh, she's just chilling out. She, Shannon is still like, people are coming to get us. It is fine. Uh, and Boone comes over and is like, uh, Shannon, can you please help with sorting these clothes? And she's like, well, you're just wasting your time. They're coming to get us. Um, she's very adamant about this. Um, I think this is the point where we learn that this is her brother. Mm, yeah. We did not learn it in the first episode. So I st- sat the whole episode, first episode, thinking that they were like dating. Yep. Uh, but they're not. They're related. She is sitting near the pregnant lady at this point. Boone kind of walked away. Um, and she asks if the woman knows what she's having. And she says no. And mentions that she hasn't felt the baby move since yesterday. Yeah. So she's a little worried. Yeah. Um, this was very scary. Yeah. Um, I was very stressed out. I think I was the most stressed out for her because I did wonder why was she on the plane? Uh, cause I really thought there was like a thing that said you shouldn't travel when you're that you're pregnant. recommended not to fly when you're in your third trimester, but like, obviously there must be exceptions if you really need to get somewhere. Um, yeah. so like maybe she had a really important reason she was traveling. Yeah. She also fell on her stomach when they were running from yeah. trying to get under that, away from under that wing. So that was cool because they like yeah. tripped. Um, so that was terrifying. And then she says that she hadn't felt the baby move. And I was, so I was just very worried for her this whole episode. Yeah. And then we cut to Daniel Day Kim. He's like going through the water for different types of shells and things that you could get the meat out of. And his wife is just sitting, watching him. She's just sitting there quietly. Then we cut to the man who has the son. He's looking for his son because his son went away. And he's like, where on earth is my child? And he like tries to talk to them, but they do Mm -hmm. not speak English. So they don't don't have much communication. Yeah. And so a thing that the guy notices is uh, Daniel Day Kim like shouts to his wife and like tells her to button her sweater yeah. up because it, it had like one yeah, it was, button like, undone one button undone like not low at all mm-hmm. but he like tells her to button it up and this happened a couple of times throughout the episode he kept telling her to button the top yeah. button and then she would like undo mm-hmm. it so i was like yeah unusual. Um, <laughs> yeah i i was very confused by i was also like bro everything you're on, going like, on with a this tropical island after a plane crash please loosen up on the dress code <laughs> Yeah, I was like, Maybe she's hot. What is she's overheated? It was she was wearing like a yeah. sweater set. I was like, what? And so uh, the father kind of looks at this and is like, uh, okay, but he's a little too concerned for for his son right now. So he starts shouting, Walt, Walt, and he's like looking for his uh-huh. kid. Um, and then we see Walt, who is looking for Vincent, who is the mm-hmm. dog uh, that we saw in the first episode. And then we see that Walt notices some handcuffs on the ground. And then his, Walt's dad comes over and he's like, you were supposed to stay on the beach. Um, He's like, what were you doing? Um, And of course, Walt is too busy looking for the dog. Also, we get the dad's name at at some point around this time. We get that his name is Michael. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so Michael uh, sees the handcuffs that Walt picked up from the ground and, like, looks at them like... He's like, this is bad news. I don't know what it is, but it's bad news. So he's just like, Walt, go back to the beach. Please do not get into any trouble. Yeah, it's not great. Um, And then back on the beach, some fighting is occurring as Jack, Kate, and Charlie return. We see these two men that are fighting. It's Saeed and... Another guy who we, is Sawyer, we know yeah. eventually one day. Um, but like, I don't remember them say saying his name in this some episode. Point in the episode. I forget when, but a lot of people also call him Redneck throughout the episode. So I like in my notes, I That's have Redneck true. written a bunch. But yeah, but basically he's mm-hmm. like, he's got a Southern accent. I don't know if I would really describe him as a Redneck. I only wrote that because some other character said it. He doesn't seem especially like yeah. rednecky, but he does have a southern accent. He seems more like like a troubled loner to me. He very much like mm-hmm. seems out for himself and like wants to criticize a lot of other people. Uh, like he has yeah. issues I feel with like... everybody else, but he doesn't really have solutions. Yeah, I feel like I wrote I called him like cigarette yeah, guy for much yeah. of my notes. Um, because he was angstily smoking that cigarette yeah. in the first And also, bit. I guess a rednecky um, thing about him is that he seems very clearly racist, because basically the reason he's fighting with Saeed is he thinks that Saeed caused the crash. Um. Yeah, he also calls him a terrorist <laughs> yep. later in the episode. Um, so this is, yeah, I think that the only reason they were calling him uh, redneck is honestly because of his yeah. accent. The accent uh, plus the racism, Which perhaps. was, yes, <laughs> Um, so that was the accent bit was also kind of added in because of Josh Holloway's audition. Um, so as I mentioned before, like Dominic Monaghan auditioned for Sawyer. So Sawyer was not initially written this way. His, uh, audition was heavily influenced by it and they included his accent in it when they were like reworking the role. Basically, uh, Saeed and Sawyer are in a fight. Uh, Jack and Michael break them apart and then uh, Michael is like, hey, my, um, there are some handcuffs um, that we found. Uh, so what does this mean? Um, this scene was chaotic. But the thing that I have next is that basically um, Jack and Kate tell everybody about the transceiver that they found. And they're like, this could yeah. be our ticket to get it. Like, this is our only chance to get saved, basically. But we need someone who knows how to work this, who knows how to, how to fix it, because it seems broken right now. Um, and then Saeed says yeah. he knows how to fix it because he has military experience. Um, so mm-hmm. basically they're like, oh, yes, thank you. Please take it. Please try and fix it. And then Sawyer was kind of like bitter about it that Saeed seems like he's going to be the one to save all of them now. Yeah. Boone asks if there were any survivors. Um, and they're yeah. like, no, uh, from when yeah. they went to the cockpit. No, was, everyone but died. Now he's no longer a survivor. <laughs> Yeah. So Saeed is looking at the radio. He says that it's dead um, and he'll need some time. Um, And then Jack goes over to deal with the man who had shrapnel in his Mm -hmm. chest that he was tending to at the beginning. The one that Kate was like, is he going to live? And next we see uh, Hurley, who is sitting with Saeed. Fun fact, Jorge Garcia also auditioned for Sawyer. But then, yes, but then they liked him, and so they yeah, wrote Hurley for him. him. playing Sawyer. That's interesting. Yeah. So lots of things that influenced yeah. other roles for people. Auditions. I love when auditions do that. Anyway, um, 
So uh, Hurley is sitting with Saeed. He asks how he knows all this stuff. And Saeed is like, I was a military communications officer. He fought in the Gulf War. And then Hurley's like, oh, yeah, I had a buddy that did that was um, in that war. Um, what were you like Navy or Air Force, whatever? And he says the Republican Guard. Um, <laughs> Because he's Iraqi, so he... He fought on the other side of that Wouldn't war. have known. Yes, he wouldn't have known yeah. Hurley's buddy. Then we get a nice ocean shot. I just yeah. thought it was pretty. Um, the scenery is, is nice, um, if you forget about the fact that yeah. it's a plane crash. And it's, it's terrible. And so we see Kate, she is in the water, kind of like, you know, cleaning off. The Korean woman uh, calls to her. And like points in the direction of the beach because uh, Saeed was calling for her. Um, so she comes over. She's changed her clothes now. And Saeed says the transceiver isn't picking up a signal because there's no reception. And he says that they could try getting a signal from higher ground. And they notice this like super tall mountain. So they're like, yeah. we got to go but climb this mountain to get there's a limited signal. battery power. So they have to be careful about how much they try to use it because the battery could die at mm -hmm. any minute and they don't really have a way of charging it. So they yeah. have basically like one shot to go up the mountain and then see if they can get a signal out um, or else mm -hmm. it might be gone forever. And then I wrote, I guess, so then it cuts back to uh, the guy with the shrapnel mm -hmm. in him. And I wrote in my notes at this point, IDK, a shrapnel dude is going to yeah. make it. Um, but uh Basically, Kate says to Jack that she's going on a hike, and Jack is like, uh, what? He, but he, Jack can't come because he has to perform yeah. surgery on this guy who has shrapnel in his chest. He says to her, basically, if you hear or see anything, Cause, yeah, because of that weird, scary beast thing, whatever the hell that was, that chased them out of the jungle the first time. So he's like, why are you going back in the jungle? <laughs> yeah. It also does seem very self explanatory. Like, I think she would yeah. know to run. Uh, yeah, mansplaining, running away from uh, scary beasts. It's an interesting tactic. Yeah, it was like, oh. <laughs> anyway, I was like, okay, sir. So next we see uh, Daniel Day Kim again. She, he's like putting the sh meat from the shells yeah, he on was, a tray. Like putting it into little um, dishes that he must have found in like the flight yeah. attendant like food things. Um, and then she, his wife, like opens the little top button that he told her to close again. Uh, yeah um because uh so basically she like tries to take some and he slaps her hand away and then once she, once he's gone yeah. she unbuttons her sweater um and so daniel day kim is walking around to different people he goes over to hurley and is like trying to offer him some and hurley's like mm, no thank yeah, you he's like i'm uh, hungry but i'm not hungry enough to eat this random sea creature meat that i don't know what it is yeah <laughs> yeah i couldn't even tell what the yeah, sea creature it, it was very strange um and it it looked like yeah. not of this world so yeah that i was probably decline it until i got starving too because you don't know if that's gonna mm -hmm. be safe to eat. yeah i was like why does he know that this is yeah, okay and like so eat? presumably he does know but again it's like that translation barrier because he's not able to verbally mm -hmm. communicate with the other characters um that creates a barrier that like maybe he could explain like i'm a i don't know maybe he's a marine biologist or something and he knows what's safe to eat we don't know yet because we haven't seen the show yeah but he wasn't eating yeah, it that was, was strange thing. to me and he stopped yeah the fact that he also stopped his wife from eating it but then he was trying to get other people to eat it i was like is it like 
not good to eat and he's trying to give it to other people but then I was like that would be really weird so I guess my best guess based on context is like clearly it is safe to eat but like maybe he was just going for like a collectivism kind of thing of like we have to help other people first before we help ourselves um but I was like dude let your wife eat yeah this was yeah I was confused next we see Walt again he's reading a comic book that's in Spanish that he found and Michael is like do you even know what's (laughs) happening in that and Walt's like not really but it does he doesn't seem to care um and Michael looks at Walt and says that um they can get a new dog when they get home and Walt just kind of looks at Michael like like with a face that's like you can't just replace my dog um and walks away from him uh yeah so clear there's like this interesting tension between Michael and his Mm -hmm. child son then we see a moment uh, it cuts to Charlie he he's got his drugs again he's feeling a little bit better okay for the moment wonder what's gonna happen Um, when he runs out of those drugs because he's on an island yeah he does seem to be using yeah. them sparingly. I though. mean, like he's gonna have to get through so. withdrawal. So I guess you know, as long as he's smart about it, if he like tries to do little bits over a long period of time to wean himself off, maybe he could like help himself through. Yeah. It. So Jack asks Hurley if he can go through the luggage and look for antibiotics because he has to perform surgery on this dude. And then we see Boone who finds Shannon. She's crying and she's like staring at this dead guy's body and she's crying because she was mean to him. She's like, I think I was mean to that guy um, because he, like, wouldn't let us sit in our seats or something in first class. Boone tells her that she's being worthless and not helpful. This was, like, a little harsh at this point. Like, she was being worthless before, but now she's clearly starting to feel something and process something for the first time. So I was like, dude, it's a little harsh to yell at her Uh right now. Yeah, and so she's like, I've been through a trauma, and Boone is like, we've all been through a trauma, Shannon. Yeah. Uh, they they got in a very sibling-y yeah. fight uh, like, in this moment in time. the other people sitting next to them having this super loud, annoying argument. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's like they were shouting which one of them was more traumatized yeah. and, and um, everyone else for a second around, there. Like, we are also all traumatized and not having this large argument. But anyway, he's like, you haven't helped at all. And then she's like, well, I am going to help. I'm going to go with these people on the hike. And they're about to leave. And they're like, okay, yeah. we guess you can come. But like, we don't really need your help. But okay. <laughs> they're just like, all right. Yeah, they're and- like... Especially because they've, like, seen her yeah. not helping at all. So they're like, um, she's not going to do anything. So then she goes and, like, Boone is obviously going to go with her to, like, watch after her. And then Sawyer also randomly says he wants to come, too. Um, yeah. And Charlie also. So they've got a big group now. <laughs> um, but before before Sawyer gets up to go on the hike with them. He's like sitting reading a piece of loose leaf paper that has like yeah. a note on it. That was like, yeah, ooh, what's in the note? Interesting. Interested to yeah. learn more about that. Uh, because that yeah. was not explained later. I think they're all a little confused. He says to Kate, I'm a complex guy, sweetheart. And then there's like a little montage of them climbing. I wrote climbing yeah. to fun music. The climb looked uh, pretty harsh though. It was like pretty steep. It was a real mountain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wondered if Shannon's shoes were appropriate yeah, for that she, climb. Like, found some um, shoes off another dead person. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, yeah, so they're like, you know, they are climbing. Um, now we see Jack, who's looking for a blade because he's got to cut yep. this dude open. And Michael is sitting alone. 
Um, and Jack asks him how old his son is. And so first Michael says nine, no, 10. And I had a moment where I was like, don't you know how old your child is? Um, which also then gets explained later. Yeah. I figured he probably just had a birthday. And so basically he's like, they're, then he like mentions the dog that they had on the plane. Um, and Jack's like, oh, I saw a lab in the jungle, a golden retriever. Um, and they're like, oh, and so, so we know the dog is perhaps okay. Uh, so thanks to Jack for that. I'm sure that will alleviate some I mean, tension between tension Michael and Walt. As well, like knowing why the dog was there and then it wasn't just a random creepy dog <laughs> out of nowhere. I liked that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we see uh, the guy with the scar. He's sitting by himself with backgammon. And so Walt is like, is your game like yeah. checkers? And he's like, well, it's better than checkers. And this is where Walt... Uh, starts to explain some things and we kind of get a bit of why there might be some tension between him and his dad. Um, So he says that he lives in Australia with his mom and they move a lot, but she got sick and died. So it seems like he doesn't necessarily see his dad all the time, that sort of thing. So it's maybe a little weird between the two of them. And then the guy says to him, you're having a bad month. And his response is just, I guess. I want to, like, give this child a hug. Uh, Yeah. Um, So the guy tells him about backgammon, um, says it's the oldest game in the world, um, and they, like, found sets of it in ruins of Mesopotamia, like, 5,000, from 5,000 years ago. Walt asks a couple of questions, like, did they have dice? And he's like, yeah, but they weren't plastic, they were made of bones. And he starts, like, teaching him the game. And then he asks if Walt wants to know a secret. There was just a weird zoom in on the scar guy's face. And then he said, do you want to know a secret? And that's the end of the scene. So I found that a little creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Everything, everything set this man up to, to make me feel incredibly unsettled. And I was like, mm, I don't know how I feel about this child sitting with you. Yeah, uh, it was, was my thought. Um, so Daniel Day Cam is still making his way around the beach with the tray of, uh, yeah. food various yeah. meat we don't know what it is um and so he f- comes over to the pregnant lady and b- like is giving it to her and she, she like, like takes it first, but then he was like very insistent and then you could yeah. tell she like kind of felt bad so she was like okay i guess i'll i guess i'll have some <laughs> yeah yeah she was being polite um so she takes some and she really she's like mm. and then she feels yeah. the baby kick finally and she like is really excited because it's like the first time the baby has moved since the plane uh crashed um and so she she like uh puts takes daniel day kim's hand and like puts it on her stomach she's like feel that feel that she's so excited and then she like uses he to refer to the baby and she's like well i think it's a boy and she's like i think you're a boy so have that little moment that let me breathe a little easier when the baby moved I didn't realize that there was a pregnant woman on this show. Yeah, That's that what I didn't know. Thing. So that was, it was very shocking to me that she was there at all. Good thing they have a doctor. Yeah. So then we go back to the hikers. They are walking through the mountains. Um, and Saeed says, so they're like up pretty high at this point, but Saeed says he doesn't want to waste any battery while they're still blocked by the mountains. Um, so Sawyer is like, annoyed by this he's like oh my god we're up really high just turn it on and Saeed's like no and then they hear something moving 
they all stop. And I was like, this is the exact opposite of the advice that you were told from before. So they all stopped. And I was like, why is no one running? Uh, There's something moving in the woods. And clearly Shannon looks like she completely regrets coming on this trip. Uh, Shannon's like, this is why I didn't help in the first place. Uh, So they, a thing is coming and they're like, ah. And so then uh, Sawyer takes out a gun, which I then wrote in all caps, how did he get a gun on the plane? (laughs) I was so confused because he takes it and he shoots the thing that was coming towards them. And then Charlie's like, this thing is tiny compared to what killed the pilot. And then they're all kind of staring at it like, what on earth is this? Because then it's revealed that it's a polar bear. Yeah. Um, And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, why is there a fucking polar bear in the jungle? Yeah, I was like, how is it living? I thought polar bears were supposed to be in the cold. How did it get there? How is it living? How did the weird, crazy, whatever the other giant beast is not kill it? Yeah. I was like, I I was like, so are you saying there's like a bigger polar bear? Is that (laughs) what you're telling me? I don't think the other thing is a polar bear somehow. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so that doesn't get any explanation within this episode. I'm guessing we have to watch more to figure that out. I was like, okay, that's weird. A polar bear not in, in the jungle. Wow. So then, then it cuts to commercial. So next we have, we come back and we see Hurley and Jack. They are together uh, because Jack is gonna do this surgery on this dude with shrapnel in his chest. Uh, And Hurley's asking all these questions because he's very nervous, clearly. He's like, do blood. "Mm -mm." And so uh, I thought this was funny. He like shouts to make sure that the guy's like actually out cold he's like is he out cold yeah um because he's like what if he wakes up in the middle of surgery and uh jack's like that's why you're here you gotta hold him down in case he does wake up um and hurley's like i'm not good around blood and so he like jack like starts to go to work like you know do like you know doing his job and hurley faints because he can't do blood he like because jack was basically telling him don't look um and then he kind of he was like kind of not looking but also he was still like well also like jack like asked him to like grab something yeah so he like kind of had to look he had to look Poor and guy. so yeah, it didn't work out for him yeah. um so and then jack no longer has an assistant so it cuts back to the people up in the mountains they're very confused by this polar bear and then kate asks where did you get a gun and which is funny in retrospect um, yeah i was just thinking the same thing uh so then Sawyer's like, well, there was a U.S. Marshal on the plane. I got it off his body. And they're like, what? He also, he, they're like, how did you know, how do you know that? And uh, Sawyer's like, he had a clip on his badge. And then Saeed's like, oh, Sawyer is the prisoner because they were like, where did these handcuffs yeah. come from? Uh, yeah. So, and this is, um, and so they're like, oh, that's why there were the handcuffs. That's why um, they were on the plane. And this is where Sawyer calls Saeed a terrorist, and yeah. it's not great. Uh, yeah, and everyone's basically fighting, but then mm-hmm. somehow Kate manages to grab the gun, um, and like she asks Saeed, like, "How do I, how do I disarm this? How do I unload it?" And he tells her. So, which was a, a smart move, I think. I think that was mm-hmm. a, a good idea under the circumstances. So yeah. she takes out the the ammo and she gives the ammo to to Saeed and gives the gun back to Sawyer. So, like, you know, as long as no one has a functioning gun and they have the two different parts, no one's going to get shot. Yeah. Um, so that was good. 
so Sawyer kind of like does this thing to like where he's like I know I know your type I've been with girls like you and Kate then says no girls exactly like me um which I then wrote what man wrote this even yeah, though I know what man wrote cringe. this that makes me cringe Ooh. and I mean luckily we do get a slightly more interesting thing for Kate right after this but I was like still nothing forgives that line oh my nothing god I was so that. mad that that happened I literally wrote yuck uh yeah. after that um anyway uh she walks away and she's like taking a breath um and this is when we get a flashback to Kate on the plane and the flight attendant is asking her if she wants a refill and she's like no Um, and then we see the man sitting next to her, the guy who's got shrapnel in him at the moment, uh, asks for a coffee. And then he says to her that she looks worried and he's like, you got to stay positive, kiddo. There's an off chance they'll believe your story. Um, he's like, uh, you know, even I'm starting to believe it, something like that. And she's like, I don't care what you believe. And then I, so it was that, it was a weird thing where at first I was like, at first in my brain, I was like, oh, so like, is this someone she's related to? But then yeah. it, it was, con- it was like confusing. It was weird because earlier she acted like that guy was a stranger to her. Mm-hmm. And then he's talking to her as if clearly they have some sort of relationship. So They're it's very, very familiar for a minute. But then the camera reveals that she is handcuffed. Yes. So <laughs> she is the prisoner uh-huh. and he is the, the marshal. Um, yes. So that was a good twist. I didn't really see that coming. I did not either. And I, yeah, I was very interested in it because I also thought, oh, Sawyer is the prisoner. That's how he knew about the I gun. Mean, it, it made sense. Yeah. He seemed mm-hmm. kind of aggressive and violent. Yeah. So I, I kind of liked that it wasn't him yeah. when we found out it wasn't. I was like, oh, yeah. they had me for a second there. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> then we get the turbulence. And I would say that this is the worst part of the plane crash to watch. Well, because she was awake for the whole thing. She really had the the scariest view and also possibly the scariest experience because, like, the masks drop down and she can't grab her mask because her hands are cuffed, like, to the seat. She can't reach mm-hmm. it. Um, and then the, the marshal next to her, like, got knocked out or something. Yeah, something exactly hit him happened. in the face. Yeah, something hit him in the face. So he's out cold. So he can't help get his mask or her mask on. But luckily, somehow she's able to like reach the keys that he has and unlock her handcuffs. Mm-hmm. And then she puts on her mask and she also puts on his mask. So like, yeah. clearly she's not a totally evil person. But then you see the entire plane ripping open. Um, she sees the whole thing and it was very horrifying. Hated watching it. Abs- absolutely yeah. awful. That, that I think that was truly the worst bit of this pilot for me. Even after the person getting sucked into the turbine, I was like, mm, this is worse. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the plane flies fully apart. Um, and then we cut back to them in the mountains. Saeed comes up behind her and he's like, we should keep moving. So they continue to move upwards so that they can get a signal. Um, next, we go back to uh, Jack, who is still working on this guy, the the marshal we now know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wakes up um and is like where is she yeah he's like not concerned about himself at all he's like where is she yeah um and jack's like who um then it cuts back to them in the mountains and saeed pulls out the radio and they've got a bar Mm -hmm. and so he's like trying to get it to work and they also get a little bit of feedback and they notice that something else is already transmitting and it's in french and boone is like oh shannon speaks french and she's like 
no I don't and he's like you spent a year in Paris and she's like drinking and not they studying start arguing and it's like guys shut up it's funny Something important is happening I did wonder though I was like how do you sp- even if you are spending an entire year in Paris just drinking and not studying how do you not at least pick up a little bit of the language well, no I mean so it turns out she did know French, <laughs> she did I think she, she did pick up the language the mm-hmm I was like, Shannon, give yourself a little more credit. If you spent an entire year there, I'm going to assume you know some French. Then they notice these numbers keep getting read off and then something keeps repeating. And Saeed's like, the batteries are dying. So we hear this voice. It keeps interrupting in French. And Saeed realizes it's a loop. Um, It's running a counter of times the message has been repeated. Um, and basically the message has been repeated many, many, many times. Uh, so he starts doing the math in his head. He's like, okay, the message is about 30 seconds long and it said like this many thousand repetitions. So he's calculating and then Shannon takes the transceiver and she's listening and she's trying to translate it. Um, and she wrote, uh, she she can hear. yeah. Yeah. So she kept saying things like, please help me. Please come get me. I'm alone now on the, on the Island alone. Please someone come. The others, they're dead. It killed them. It killed them all. And Saeed says, 16 years and five months. It's a distress call that has been playing over and over for 16 years. Um, And then, but then they're like, but they haven't like seen a person like that wasn't on the plane. So they're like, well, if someone came, why is it still playing? And then Charlie goes, guys, where are we? Um, I love how that's the first time someone really questions, where are we? Um, yeah. And so then it's a close up on Kate's face and then the episode ends. Yeah. So like, fucking damn. What a way to, what a terrifying way. As, as if it wasn't terrifying enough to just be in a plane crash. That's already pretty terrifying. Yeah. And then, so you're in a plane crash and then you find out that like, maybe people aren't coming to get you. Like maybe the transmission didn't work or like you're in the wrong place. That's all, that's double terrifying. Then you find out there's a weird monster in the woods that can kill a pilot, and, but you can't see what it is and you have no idea what it is. That's also terrifying. Then you find out that somebody has been transmitting for 16 years that, th- that they needed help, that something, it killed them all. And it happened for 16 years and hasn't been turned off. So clearly nobody came to save her. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Wow. Well, yeah, so this, uh, I mean, verdict, verdict for both of us is as soon as we finished this, we were like, damn, like, shame that we have to wait and record this episode that we can't keep watching the show right away. So it definitely 100% does a good job of hooking you in and making you want to keep watching because it's like, what the hell Yeah, is going on? I won't lie. We're probably going to hang up and I'm going to watch more. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Because I would like to know. Um, Yeah, this was, so that was the first episode of Lost. The first first two two episodes. And it set up a lot to, it like left me with many questions that I would like more information on. I feel like I want to know... I'm going to list these in no particular order. I want to know uh, what's up with Daniel Day Kim and his wife. I want to know what I mostly want to know why they weren't eating the food. Yeah. Also, just like what's going on between the two of them. It seems yeah. like something was a little tense between them. Mm-hmm. Um, the way he was kind of ordering her around. And she, she almost seemed, seemed a little, she like seemed slightly frightened by him, but also slightly defiant because she kept yeah. unbuttoning the sweater. It's very yeah, interesting. So I just wonder what's going on. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I also wonder how they're going to like interact with the rest of the people if like, I mean, if no one else speaks Korean and or if they, it wasn't totally clear if they don't speak English, like, or if they just didn't want to speak English to anybody else. Yeah, it was like, it kind of seemed like, yeah, I felt like it could go either way. It was like, maybe yeah. they do know English and they just it refuse to. Or maybe they understand it, but don't yeah. speak it very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just intrigued how they're going to uh, end up interacting with the rest of the cast that seem to be in some, in a tentative alliance, a tentative like community. I mean, I'm anticipating there will be a lot of conflicts between the cast as things go on, but like everyone more or less is in a little community of like, we need to survive for now. Yeah, very much so. It's like one of those things where I feel like immediately, if you're in this type of situation at first, of course, you're all going to kind of come together in some sense. Like even, even like, like Saeed and Sawyer were able to stop fighting for long enough to realize the situation is probably more dire than us fighting with each other. Um, Even if they don't necessarily like each other. It's one of those things. But also at the same time, like you can come together when it feels like there's one task and you all have to be saved. Like, oh, we all have to get this transceiver so that we can all be saved. Mm -hmm. But I think presumably like once it becomes a state of like they're not going to be saved immediately and they're stuck on this island I'm anticipating there will be more conflict yeah because once you're like trapped in this place and there's things to fight over there's like questions of who's going to survive is there enough to go around and also just like people's personalities come in conflict then there's going to be more issues yeah people and I also think it's probably I think that now that they have confirmation that they're probably not getting off of this island anytime soon it's going to be one of those things where I feel like a couple of people are going to try and make themselves in charge and that's probably gonna you're gonna probably see butting heads because of that because it's like there are a lot of strong personalities on this beach yeah and then there's some people that clearly have qualifications like Jack he is a doctor which mm-hmm. is kind of irreplaceable they really need that and he also seems like kind of a good natural leader there's there's also Saeed who has like technological expertise mm-hmm. which is obviously very valuable as well but um you know some other people have issues with him potentially yes. being a leader um Kate also seems like she has a little bit of a leadership personality but then now there's this question of she's a criminal we don't I want to know what she did yeah also. I do too um uh, what she did supposedly because it also sounds like she has a story that maybe she's innocent mm-hmm. um or that's kind of what that brief conversation seemed to imply that like she has some version of a story um different than what she's been accused of um but we don't know what it is so I'm also I'm curious to see what she did if she really did it and also how everybody else reacts to finding out that she was a criminal yeah because they're probably not going to be too happy about it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and also just like these interesting implications when you're like out in like a wrecked place like this and you don't have a lot of resources the few things you do have can become super important so like the transceiver obviously because mm-hmm. that's like a really special thing but even little things like um like I feel like the handcuffs are probably going to end up becoming important like they could use those to like cuff somebody up in the future like I was I was just thinking of all the props and things that they found because like every every one thing they find could end up being really important like the rest of Charlie's drugs if somebody else steals those or something that could be really a big deal I don't know it's just so interesting when you have this limited setting and this limited amount of finite resources to think Think about how that's going to come into play. Mm-hmm, for sure. And the gun. Yeah, the gun, the gun has a certain amount of bullets left. Right now, they've taken them apart, but there is a gun with a certain amount of bullets. So, like, if somebody gets a hold of that, 
that they kind of have the power on the island. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would really like for this woman's baby to be okay. That's my other thing. I, but also a baby being born on the island. That's not like ideal. It's not at all. Not at all. (laughs) I'm very stressed out already. Yeah. (laughs) I think honestly, like I do want to watch this show, but honestly, I'm not sure if I'll be able to really get through it and enjoy it because shows like this, they just stress me out in general. Yeah. Like these survival type shows they just they stress me out I'm like you're all gonna die Mm -hmm. and even if you're surviving it's gonna be like a horrible survival yeah it's like it just seems like one that I feel like maybe I want to binge but also maybe I don't want to binge it like maybe I'll like watch a couple of episodes here and there depends on it depends on how cliffhangery each episode ends up being because I think that's the thing I feel like these episodes these two episodes especially were very much written with a hook at the end to get you to want to keep watching and so if all of the episodes do that I can see myself just watching this yeah I'm also curious just like knowing that the show has six seasons I'm curious how much of a long time frame it takes place over because it is hypothetically possible that like every season could be like a few days potentially of them trying to survive and a lot of things happening or it could be a really long period of time of them being on this island for a long ass time yeah so I'm just like I don't know that stresses me out to think about it does from the limited reading I was looking at um without trying to spoil myself in case I did want to keep watching it sounds like the flashbacks become also about what happened to them like back before they even got on the plane Okay. So it seems so like, that takes up yeah, time. that's going to take up time. So I definitely feel like they set, they set up these particular flashbacks. I think it's interesting and maybe it could be important which flashbacks we got of people's different perspectives from the crash. These two episodes, we got flashbacks from Jack's perspective, Charlie's perspective and Kate's perspective. So, and since it's like a big ensemble cast type thing, I assume that like, we're going to get to know a little bit more about all of the characters through different flashback devices. Maybe not necessarily what happened to them on the plane, but like something else that's kind of parallel to what's going on with them. Yeah. Cause we learned a little bit about a lot of characters, but there's some that we know almost nothing about. Um, and also I just feel like we want to learn more about all of them like mm-hmm. we have little tidbits about a few of them but some we we don't really like Hurley we don't really know anything about his yeah. life or why he was on the plane um Sawyer we don't really know anything yeah he, we just got him reading that note and I want to know what was yeah. in it uh, the pregnant girl we don't really know anything other than she was pregnant mm-hmm. so maybe there is a really good reason why she was on the plane maybe she had a really important reason she had to travel I don't know yeah yeah um we yeah we like sort of got a reason for why Walt and Michael were on the plane have no clue what's going on with the dude with the scar uh want to know his secret still concerned about him yeah I think he continues to like be mysterious and whatnot I know his name is John Locke I know that much like I've heard him talked about before but I'm just curious like what his deal is yeah yeah for sure I I have I have many questions but also like I don't like I don't have a good good enough question to like formulate a question. Yeah. It's just I just basically the yeah. question is what? Uh but also it's like what the fuck is this island? So it seems like a tropical island. Yeah. But there's a polar bear mm-hmm. for some reason. And there's also this very strange monster, which just by looking through the Wikipedia page, I saw it described as smoke monster a few times. So, so. okay, yeah. This is interesting because I when the monster thing first happened. 
I like actually, and they were like, did you see that? I didn't see anything. So I literally like re I was like rewinding and going back trying to figure out what they were looking at because I couldn't see anything. And maybe that- I just assumed they weren't showing it on screen on purpose. Yeah. Cause at first I was like, oh, I've missed something. But then I realized I hadn't when I watched it again. Um, yeah. So maybe that's why I did not see the thing about smoke monster. Well, I just, as I was like, I was skimming through the Wikipedia page and I saw the phrase smoke monster. So I was like, okay, I'm assuming that is like the mysterious thing that haunts the island, mm-hmm. whatever it is. I didn't see anything looking like smoke, but I guess that's what they end up calling it. But now that I've, now that I've said it, I mean, I guess this is like, maybe I'm spoiling myself for potentially connecting some future dots, but, or maybe I'm just totally talking bullshit, but I'm remembering Kate said she saw smoke coming from that area of the jungle. So maybe the smoke isn't just about the plane. Maybe it also has to do with the monster. Yeah, perhaps. I was also thinking that, um, yeah, it's so many weird things. Yeah. But I don't really have enough to like formulate any theories at this point. I'm mostly just like, what? the fuck yeah this is one of those things where i feel like i'd need to watch more of it before i decided and my other thing about this transmission that's like very ominous at the end but i'm like if it's been going for 16 years the thing that i'm questioning is how has it been going that long there must be some source of like power or something that it's been able to transmit for that long so i guess that's potentially a source of hope for them if they can find where that transmitter thing is and get a power source from it, like figure out how to transmit something. It might not help them if it's been going for 16 years and nobody came, mm-hmm. but you know, it's something could look into. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I'm worried. I'm very worried about what other things they will find on the island. Cause it's like, they have to look for things to survive. They're probably going to keep investigating this loop thing which means they're going to go further into the mountainy area i feel well, like they also have to explore a little bit because yeah. they have they said there's at least 48 survivors that they've already accounted for if they're not getting picked up they have to like have food yeah and water they gotta figure some stuff out so they gotta figure things out very quickly mm-hmm. <laughs> so i'm stressed out about that just thinking about that it, it makes it, it stresses me out yeah i feel like our verdict is we will keep watching i definitely want to know I want to know more, but I'm worried I'm going to be really stressed yeah. the entire time. So let's, I mean, obviously, like, obviously we haven't seen the show to, to make some effort of analysis, even though we haven't seen the show. Like, what are some things that you feel like are good in this pilot since we've watched it for the first time? I, the thing that I really appreciated about this is the way that they would, they threaded together the different like little bits of information and then we got saw them brought back in like the flashbacks like especially with Kate's I really enjoyed that that was done really nicely yeah because we had like the alcohol the little alcohol nip with Jack um Charlie and his drugs and then Kate and the handcuffs so like each little tangible things from the plane um which I thought was nice um and then I was like ah yes I think that was, I think that is probably one of my favorite things about this. And also I think it's good slash I want to know more about why they picked the particular characters they picked to like be like the ones that we focus on in these two episodes because there's so many people. So you have to be strategic yeah. about who you choose yeah. to and highlight. I have a feeling we're going to get to know a lot more over mm-hmm. the course of the show. But yeah, that is a good point. Like, I feel like I understood why they picked Jack because he's a very like classic default protagonist. I don't want to say he's boring, but he is kind of what you expect on this kind of show to yeah. be a protagonist. But like also he's very functional. Like 
I think especially the cold open of the first episode gave us a very strong sense of who Jack is and also really helped us get through like this initial situation having him as the I think he was the right character to guide us through yeah. the introduction. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think following any other character would have made a better cold open to this mm-hmm. show. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I think even if Jack seems a little bit cliche in some ways, he's a very like, you know, all American white guy hero. He's the perfect hero for this scenario, at least as of now, maybe he'll get more complicated in the future, but as of now, he seems pretty straightforward. Um, I do think he was kind of, necessary yeah for sure in some way. I'm honestly pretty interested I kind of want to see if he like cracks you know yeah I feel like he must have some sort of dark side to him like he must he, nobody's perfect so like I'm just curious to find out yeah what what happens when he does crack or like does he have anything dark in his past because it's like the fear thing I found really interesting because it's like honestly it sounds like he sounds like you're just repressing it to me yeah um so like what like what do you do with all of that like pent up also like I totally like guessing like projecting out of nowhere there wasn't really any clue for this but I I am wondering if there's a sense of like he seems to have a very like I need to be a hero kind of sense like I need to help people so I'm wondering if like does he have something dark in his past of like he feels like he needs to make up for something yeah and like with Kate I understood why I like I pretty much understood why they like picked her to focus on yeah. Um, yeah, because they wanted to introduce her as seeming like a very generic woman character generic love interest or not love interest but like you, you know what I mean yeah. like she she plays off of Jack and she seems like a little mysterious not like other girls but like also kind of regular on the surface and then so we could get that reveal that she was actually the criminal that worked really well yeah and I think Charlie's the one I'm kind of like hmm why'd they pick you to highlight I'm, I yeah. wonder about that slash I can't really put my finger like, on it right now. He helped break the tension between Jack and Kate. Like he he worked well as like a third character to balance them out. But yeah, plot wise, I'm wondering why he was picked out as one of the most important people yeah. to highlight. Yeah. And I think, I think so, we're going to have to watch more to figure that one out. Yeah. I wonder what's Sawyer's deal because he just seems pissed off at everybody all the time. Like mm-hmm. what's going on in his life? That letter, man. It's something in the letter. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's set up really interesting characters. Um, I, like, want to know what's up with all of them. Yeah. There wasn't a single one where I was like, oh, I don't care about that dude. Um, so yeah. I feel like that's, that's already got me a little invested um, in kind of figuring it out and piecing it together. Yeah. And I'm also anticipating, just based on the style of the show thus far... I'm anticipating that as the characters get to know each other better, there are going to be things revealed to them as well. Like they'll figure out things about each other mm-hmm. that will cause drama. Yes. Like I I just I just know there's gonna be some like unknown connections between some of these people that happen to be on the same plane and then they're gonna find out they're like long lost cousins or like, oh, you're the man who killed my father. I'm <laughs> I'm making it cliche things, but like you know what I mean? I think yeah. there's gonna be unexpected connections between them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm also, I'm intrigued because I know just from hearing about the show, I know it has a mix of like some supernatural elements, mm-hmm. but also some realism. So I'm just curious to see how that plays out because a lot of the other shows that we've, one thing we've kind of talked about is like, if you do have a supernatural show or whatever the rules of your show are, you should set them up very clearly in the pilot. So like when we t- when we talked about um, the magicians and charmed, which no one else has heard because those episodes got corrupted. Man, Sad. okay, we'll redo those shows at some point. But we talked about setting up the rules of your magic if you have mm-hmm. magic. 
So I'm thinking about this pilot and it didn't, it didn't super clearly make clear that it's supernatural for sure. After yeah. watching this pilot, I wouldn't necessarily know if it's supernatural or not. I only know that from having heard it talked about. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering like, is that a bad thing or is, does it just work because this show is more about mystery? So it's okay that we don't know. Yeah. I feel like I was okay with not knowing what on earth was going on because I knew it was set up as a mystery and because they did so much with like introducing us to people that it's not like they weren't doing other things. There wasn't really time to establish a set of rules anyway. And also I think that we're going to learn the rules with everyone else like with the people on yeah. the island since they're they don't know what they are yeah that is a good point also yeah another thing about these two episodes because it was two episodes but it they're they're fast and they're slow yeah um they're slow in terms of there's a lot of like slow shots and brief shots that just give us little bits about the characters without a lot happening so that's why it is technically like slow and like why we were able to get through both episodes in a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. But they also feel, they don't feel that long because a lot of the shots are very good at like keeping you in the moment with the characters. So even though it might like, e- even though it is maybe objectively slower in terms of things happening than some of the other very action packed pilots that we've had, it doesn't feel that way. It really brings you along with it. And like, I didn't, I, I never felt like, oh my God, this is boring. Like, when are we going to get a move on? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't either. It like, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Cause it did feel like it moved quickly and it didn't feel like I was sitting there watching for two hours, even though that's literally what it was. Um, (laughs) so that was, that was nice. Yeah. It was good pacing overall. Mm -hmm. I thought like it it was good pacing in terms of watching it, like just, it never felt boring, but it was also good pacing in terms of revealing information. Yeah. Like particularly, particularly the whole Kate thing, I think was very well-timed mm-hmm. um, each beat of the reveal. Like the the little thing in part one, they don't really give us much about her at all in part one, but then in retrospect, her saying the guy with the shrapnel was sitting next to her, Yeah, which also in retrospect reveals to us that she's kind of savvy and she's kind of a good liar. Mm-hmm. She didn't bring up, she had to know that was going to come up eventually, but she yeah. didn't, you know, reveal that he was a marshal. Um, uh, and she also pretends she didn't know there was a marshal and a criminal on the plane mm-hmm. later on um (laughs) but yeah and then we get the the handcuffs near the start of episode two and then the suggestion that there was a marshal and a criminal and then the flashback and then the guy waking up yeah um so yeah just the timing of all of that felt very as it should be yeah very good deliberate setups so yeah this pilot this is very yeah very interesting very nice yeah like I can understand why this took off so mm-hmm. so well as it did why it captured everyone's attention 14 million dollars well spent oh my god i the, the, the when i said earlier that some movies don't cost that much that's when that really sunk into my head how expensive Listen, this i don't want to sound too disparaging because clearly the people that wrote this show are talented it's a very good show but also like what a white man confidence thing to write <laughs> and produce a pilot and just decide it's going to be $14 million and just like casually, just, just casually produce a pilot that's, that's that expensive without like even thinking about it and just being like, yeah, like, it'll be fine. It'll be popular. Like we'll get away with it. Damn. The confidence. Unparalleled. Wow. <laughs> any, any last thoughts? No, I guess, you know, stay tuned to see when Kara and I finally catch up with some of these twists that have been like pop culture knowledge that since we have 2010 no that clue. we've never heard of. No clue. Absolutely no yeah. idea. 
Yeah. I'm like, I'm very glad. Like I, it's so nice when you know there's a big twist, but you don't know what it is. Like I managed to watch the sixth sense and I, I've obviously I knew there was a big twist. That movie's famous for having a huge twist, but I somehow didn't know what the twist was. And then seeing it for the first time, it's like, whoa, that really is that good. Nice. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We want to hear from you now. If you have any thoughts about the lost pilot you'd like to share with us or suggestions for shows we should watch, you can email us at itsinmyqpod at gmail.com. And in case you want to prepare for our next episode discussion, we are tackling yet another pilot that makes the top of a lot of best pilots list, which is Breaking Bad. So go ahead and watch or rewatch the pilot of Breaking Bad to be ready for our thoughts on it next week. And if you liked what you heard, please rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends to listen. You can also follow us on Twitter at InMyQPod or on our personal Twitters. I am at Adina Terrific. And I'm at Kara underscore Powell. Thanks for listening, and we hope we've helped you clear out your queue.